You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Welcome to this week's episode of Herd, your food, beverage, and hospitality podcast. Herd is hosted by me, Joe Hakeem, and I'm joined by Nick Britsky of Nick Drinks, Jason Leinert of the Detroit Optimist Society, and Vato of the Hungry Dudes. We are joined each episode by workers, leaders, and analysts of the hospitality industry. Please take a moment to subscribe to Herd on the Apple Podcast app, Google Podcast app, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or wherever you listen to your podcast. If you like or dislike what you hear, write a review. We love hearing from our listeners. You can visit Herd at HerdPodcast.com, follow Herd on Twitter and Instagram at HerdPodcast, and like Herd Podcast on Facebook. Thanks for listening, and now here's this week's episode of Herd. Hello, friends, and welcome to Herd, your food, beverage, and hospitality podcast. So Vato's here, and he is trying to open a bottle of Mezcal. Um, there's it's wax silly. on the bottle. Um, it's, wax, it's, so it's peeling off in like little little itty bitty squares. I'm gonna I'm gonna introduce. Uh, so Sagan Isham from the marketing events manager of Working Class Outlaws uh, is with us. She brought the Mezcal, which we're very appreciative of. <laughs> but I have very strong opinions about wax um, on bottles because I think it's a Pain in the an unnecessary pain in the ass. It totally, um, it totally is. Um, so, uh, most famously, I think Maker's Mark mm-hmm. has probably got the the wax dip bottle. Probably there was other ones before that, but Maker's Mark is you know commercially is widely available and it's always dipped. I believe. Yeah, I think uh, each bottle is individually, right? Yeah, and then uh, beer, uh, bourbon barrel aged beers, and um, I think uh, we need a wine key. We might. You might. I, I don't have one. I'm gonna go. go I'm look. gonna go look. <laughs> <laughs> go find one. Um, <laughs> and so, uh, Sagan, um, you brought uh, so this mezcal with you, yes. um, and you also brought some other stuff. And this is something. So we talked about White Claw for a second uh, last week because White Claw now outsells the most popular craft beer um, by a lot. I think. Yeah. Um, which, uh, it, you know, opinion. I don't have really an opinion of that. Uh, however. I'm going to give you an opinion on what this tastes like to me because I've never had a White Claw. So this is my first White Claw. Um, can you get a photo of me taking a sip of my of White Claw here? Can you can you get that? Make that You're doing the pure the pure. Ooh. This is yeah. so this is just a boozy heard, sparkling water. Right? I've heard bad yes. things about pure, but go ahead. Uh, okay, <laughs> all right. That face you're making, um, like you drink, yeah. just drink Daiquiri. So um, it it. it Tastes like sparkling water with a bit of a um, like a rubbing alcohol aftertaste. <laughs> a little chemical. Yeah. Um, so this is the rage right now. So this is a hundred calories. It's no carbs. Zero carbs. Zero very carbs. Low sugar, if any. Yeah. yeah there's no, no sugar. Um, Twelve ounces. Uh, I mean, it's if you want to stay up on your summer bod, but still like, get boozy. <laughs> I mean, you could <laughs> if if you were trying hard enough. If you drank enough of these, you could probably get pretty messed up. Uh-huh. Probably four and a half. I think five. Five percent? That one's five. Okay, so I had, over the weekend, I had this, uh, it's pure, so it's a still water. So uh, the listeners here who know me know I don't drink anything carbonated. Um, and it was four and a half, and I thought it was decent. Was it flavored? Uh, yeah. So I had, there was three flavors that I tried, mango, mandarin orange, and blackberry, and I like the blackberry the best. Okay. Out of that. And I, they were in bottles. Uh, picked them up over at Market Fresh, but- I looked online and found out that they're mostly available at Kroger's, Myers, CVS, and Walgreens. Oh, so well, everywhere, yeah. anywhere you can buy booze, you can find pure. You well, I, pure? I don't, I don't think I've seen it at like uh, my local party store or anything. Oh, um, so uh, there is a very funny video um <laughs> that is uh, going around that's on YouTube right now um about White Claw. I don't know the guy's name. I forgot right. his name. Kyle um, or something. Ky- I think. <laughs> No, he's Kyle in the video where he talks about yeah, uh, okay, okay, yeah. Monster, which, you know, that's a whole other thing. Um, but uh, so he he's, you know, summer 2019 is the summer of Claw. Yep. Yeah, ain't summer no laws claw. when you're drinking Claws. All right. right. So, you know. Ain't no laws when you're drinking Claws. <laughs> is that what it is? Yep. yep. Um, which, you know, obviously isn't true. But, <laughs> you know, in, in, in this uh, YouTube video it is. And uh, check that out. Um, this, I could see why people like it. Um and Sagan, you brought a bunch of... You so brought, like, she tr- brought tr- I, yeah, Truly tr- is truly, what now? 
It's the same thing as White oh. Claw, just a different brand okay. owned by a different company. But, but you know what's funny is that, uh, and I don't know if this just exploded, oh man, in the last six months or something, but before, all I could find uh, for Truly was at Target. And then really? nobody, like I, Meyer wouldn't take back Truly cans. I could only take oh, back yeah. all the Truly cans to Target. I thought Truly was a like a Target proprietary thing. And now you go to uh, you go to uh, Costco and they sell Truly. Yeah. Yeah, everyone sells Truly. They even I was, we were at uh, I was in Ann Arbor the other day and uh, they had Truly at the Blind Pig. Yeah, I mean, I mean it's in bars and it has to be. It has to be. Yeah, and yeah. it's cool too. I, I like that the craft beer brands are kind of dabbling. Like I know uh, Perrin did one. Yep. I have some from Oscar Blues as well. So it's kind of interesting Ooh. to see how like breweries take that on as well. And, and so have the the ones you brought from Oscar Blues. Have you yes. tried those? I have not. I actually, have just not. picked them up in Chicago. I don't even know if they sell them here yet. Okay. But I I saw the variety pack and a Benny's, and I was like, we have to get this. <laughs> <laughs> and then what about the Perrin ones? Have you tried those? I haven't. You haven't. Okay. Some uh, I'm interested once we get. Once I finish this one, we start the uh, uh, Oscar Blues one to see if it tastes different. If there's a little bit more flavor to it, or if there's you know what they're doing differently. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. So, working class outlaws. Can I explain what the working class outlaws is. Uh, so it's our restaurant group, mm-hmm. uh, Imperial Public House and Anti Hero, plus the Imperial Food Truck make up working class outlaws. Um, we've been around since 2012, I believe. That's when Imperial opened. Imperial was the first, then Public House, um, then the food truck, and then Anti Hero. And yeah, just a, a restaurant group that kind of likes to take a different approach to hospitality in terms of like design, style, menus, um, keep it approachable, affordable, really like community based kind of compound I work for. Have you <laughs> call it compound? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> have, have you um, been with them since the beginning? I have actually. Yeah, I started at Imperial as a server. Okay. And did a little bit of bartending for brunch, and then I started managing there before Public House opened. And then I was the GM at Public House when it opened. So now, but now you're the marketing and events coordinator. How did that shift happen? Um, the position just came available within the company, and I was like, you know what? I kind of went to school for this. Let me see what, if this is right up my alley. And it happened to be, and it just kind of was a natural progression. It worked really well, and you know the owners trust me to be the the voice of their restaurants, which is really cool. So you're the voice of all three. Yeah, I run okay. the Instagrams, Facebook, all the all uh, the stuff, all that stuff. Yeah, you, um, with with their help, of course. Uh huh. Yeah. Um, so the, uh, you said you kind of went to school for that. What does that mean? I went to school for PR and advertising at uh-huh. U of M Flint. Okay. Um, and minored in graphic design. So I get to use like a little bit of every little piece that I learned uh-huh. to do this. Um, but it's, you know, it's a learning curve too, because the way the internet's changed and social media's changed over the year. When I was in college back in my day, <laughs> <laughs> they weren't talking about Instagram. You know, Facebook was a, a thing, but it wasn't as popular. So it's kind of you know, you have to keep learning constantly and evolving your skill set to to have any traction, I guess, in social media marketing and all that yeah, fun stuff. I took a class on MySpace. You did? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. A- AOL. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You've got mail. Yeah. Uh, I was I was there at the beginning of the internet, so yeah. That was that, I mean I was two. That was old. I, I was I thirteen, were, yeah. but I was there. <laughs> oh man. I remember that dial up. Yeah, I was oh, the, that noise. I was the kid at school that had the internet right when it first started. So it was like kids would come to my house to go on AOL and <laughs> sir, it was uh the hell was it called? Mosaic? Back when oh, it was man. like it was was it was like the World Wide Web through Mosaic. Was it Mosaic? Oh, yeah. It was like God. Netscape and yeah. all that shit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um and it would I mean, it probably seemed fast then. I can only right. imagine what that sound that it would just bring back, like it would be horrible, terrible <laughs> memories and that oh, scratching and God. I mean, or my mom would pick up the phone and go, "Mom, we're on the internet." Yeah. <laughs> Don't do it. <laughs> also, like, who who designed that noise? Like when you log into AOL, ah. it's terrible. <laughs> like, who's responsible for that? They need to be punished <laughs> somebody, somewhere. I, I mean, yeah, it's, it's part of our generation. I'd be like, ah, oh, that sound never came across <laughs> my. Eardrums again, so um, and he, he's looking for it right now. I imagine. <laughs> no, you? no. Oh, no. you're not. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm just randomly looking at them. That's what I do. I'm in, the, you know, I'm the, trying to be part of the millennial or Z generation. Oh, try, uh, we're always on our multitasking. Right. <laughs> I, I, I don't want. You call it multitasking. Multitasking. <laughs> Distract, distracted. Distracted. Yeah. I don't want people to think that I'm just a generation X. So okay, so you um. You go to school, you have on Flint. You, um, did you have a job in between school and, uh, Imperial? Yeah. I, okay. I worked in restaurants my whole life. I okay. think I started when I was 14. I worked at a, uh, 
Mediterranean restaurant in Flint called Taboon. Mm -hmm. It still exists. Um, I started as like a hostess and doing carry out and stuff and then kind of like worked my way up to be a server there. And then when I was in college, I think I had like, you know, a couple part-time gigs. I worked at the mall. I worked at Guitar Center, (laughs) all the typical stuff. And then um, I moved down here to Ferndale in 2009. And at that time, I was looking for a job and got hired at the Whitney because at that time I was like, you know, maybe I want to go to culinary school. And I was kind of exploring that idea. And a friend of a friend was like, hey, why don't you go stash in the kitchen, see how it goes? Because I worked at like pizza shops and stuff too, you know, decent, nice skills. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, God, this is really intimidating. Mm-hmm. I can't walk into that restaurant. Because I didn't know much of like Detroit fine dining. But even in the early 2000s, it was a lot different. Mm-hmm. So I took the job at the Whitney. And that kind of was a very formidable years, I guess you could say, as far as working in a restaurant. And then from there, I just kind of, um, you know, part-time serving jobs here and there and bartending and then 2012 rolls around and I landed at Imperial. So Imperial has shifted drastically, I think, since it opened. Um, can you kind of explain how that sh- how that shift has gone? It's interesting to even talk about because I... Th- oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Is that... Is it- oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> That's the one. Oh, my God. It's a long sequence, too. Like... <laughs> Kids today will never know what that means. <laughs> and, and then it would like cut off and it wouldn't connect. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. That's a really long one. <laughs> oh, that's, that's just one of them. There's another one I just found that's like an hour long. <laughs> just who, loops over Who would over listen to that for an hour? If you really, really want to mess nope. with somebody. Yeah. yeah. No more, please. No more. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Um, so. But no, I think Imperial, I, I think the community actually kind of shaped the restaurant. Like the, what... They wanted it to be kind of it just naturally evolved into. I'm sure, like you know, we we do our best to spice things up and add specials and do different things. But ultimately, the people that come there um, all the time are like they're they're the ones who get to evolve and shape that. Like what sells well, they determine. You know, we don't have any say. And oh, we'll put this frozen margarita on the menu. We're not going to sell any, and we sell a bazillion. And we're like, oh wow, we should have done that. I, I, you know, I think that they were. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm just trying to rack my brain. I think they were one of the first places to have communal tables. We were, and we got a lot of grief for it in the beginning. People did not like that. Uh, it was it was definitely a learning curve, I think, for Metro Detroit because in bigger cities, you know, you go to Austin, LA, like that's everywhere. It's the norm almost. But we were, the, I think, the first in this area to really bring in communal seating. And people are like, oh, my gosh, I have to sit next to strangers. Right. Like, yeah, make friends. Like, talk to people. Like, make it about community. Like, that was, I think, Perry, Sharon, Jeff, and Susie's, like, whole vision with that restaurant is making it a neighborhood spot. But also, like, you're going to see a guy in a suit there that's having a business meeting and a mom out back with her stroller. But, like, all these people are what make up this community and make it really special. And they all get to have their own experience at our taco bar. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. So I go to First Watch all the time. Uh, on Sundays for brunch, um, not every Sunday, but almost every Sunday. And, uh, they do the advanced, uh, seating, uh, through their app, you know, get in line. So that's great. Cause they just, you know, show up and get in, in there. But if you walk in, you know, you're going to wait 30 minutes to an hour, but they have a communal table and they say, if you want to sit there, we have a seat there. You can sit there right now. So you can walk in and just sit. Is it always empty? No, uh, okay. it's usually about half. Every time I've been there, it's about half full okay. or three quarters full. So, uh, you know, it's it's good for the one to two p- people, three people coming in. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, somebody bikes in and they're like, hey, can we get that? And they're like, well, you can sit there if you want to sit at the communal table. And it's a high table versus everything else in the restaurant, which is, um, you know, uh, tabletop, bench seating, uh, whatnot. So the, the communal table there is high. So it's and it's right up in the front. But I think that's kind of interesting that they have that kind of like, oh, if you want to sit the communal, you can sit there right now. It's, but I it, like that. It also sounds like a punishment almost. <laughs> you could wait, but you know, if yeah, you want to just because you didn't didn't take the time to call us first. Well, you can wait, and you know, it, it's you know, it's brunch. It's like on the weekend, you can wait, right? You know, just like any other place. But you got you guys seat the communal table at Imperial, right? We do, yeah, yeah. yeah. We do. So you can't just it's not a free for all. Uh, I mean, during lunch, if we're not busy, but if right. we're on a wait, then yeah, so yeah. absolutely. I, I bought because you got t- two entrances, right? So mm-hmm. everyone comes in, and and how do you police the, um, uh, you know, the guy who comes into the back? Like, oh, there's a table right here. They sit down, and then like, then you got to come up, and be like, oh, I'm sorry, sir, but there, you actually have to come to the front. And there's a way. It, it takes a very patient host to be able to do that. That's always also observing the room and seeing those people. But it happens, you know, yeah. every once in a while it'll happen. Somebody will sneak in and be like, Oh, are you on the way? Oh, 
you know, sorry, there's people did, waiting. Because you didn't know. Yeah, because you got those two entrances. You yeah. Know, and, and anyway, we put signs up there, you know, see host up front and people yeah, don't read yeah, signs. So not looking for signs. You're looking <laughs> right. for They want tacos seat. and beer, yeah. And corn. That too. The corn is, oh my gosh. The corn and the jalapenos are so, so good. Sonoran hot dogs. Yeah. And those have been on the menu for, since the beginning. Since day one, yeah. And it's, I don't want to say how many hot dogs I eat a year. It's kind of <laughs> disgusting. But those hot dogs are so fucking good. Yeah. It's really not are. disgusting. It's it's great. I go to Home Depot just to get freaking hot dogs. Hey, you're my kind of person then. You know? So, yeah. okay. So full disclosure, I, I've done, I did some work for you guys in the past. I've done yes. some photos. But there was a sequence, I think, or a, a time where uh, the, photo, the photo taking kind of shifted. I think it shifted to you. Mm-hmm. Are you self, are you a self-taught photographer? Uh, I took a couple classes in college, but yes. Okay. So for the most part, like, mm-hmm. you didn't take a food photography class in college. Nope. Right. Um, so. And I taught, I, back then it was film. There was no digital cameras when I was back, in back, back then. Back then. <laughs> <laughs> really showing my age again. We have the dial-up modem. We have back when there was film. <laughs> yeah. well, no, I, I, for I, college, I, it was the film cameras. So. I called the, uh, the restaurant uh, uh, from the payphone. Yeah. The, the, what's the rotary dial? Right. I'm going to out back. And I said, hit me in my beeper when, when my table's ready. Um, Perfect. So uh, the photography, was, was that out of necessity? Or did you want to learn or both? Both. Okay. Both. Necessity, um, they needed someone to fill that position. I had interest in doing it and I like taking pictures of food. I've always done it on my personal phones and stuff or cameras. So it just kind of happened naturally. And then I convinced them to buy me a really nice camera and I just got the upgrade (laughs) from there. Yeah. (laughs) That's a good segue to our sponsor. If you'd like to be a great Instagram photographer, you can reach out to the Hungry Dudes. Joe and Vado are giving classes now. (laughs) Are we? We can. (laughs) We can. Um, But uh, I think it's interesting because you, one of the things that I always appreciated about the the working class outlaws as a, as a group is that there was never any argument with like, there was no haggling with photos. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like, can you, work for it wasn't even like a trade option it was like how much are you going to charge us and we're going to pay you that yep and you paid um the group paid on on the job for the most part well Um, much like i think because jeff and perry come from the music industry it's kind of like the same deal like you pay people what their their job or performance is worth and you you don't negotiate that like after the fact you do it all up front and then you know you want to pay people for their talent like it took me a while to learn those skills and granted i'm not using them elsewhere but like when you came in to shoot photos it took you somewhere along the line you had to learn how to do that whether you're buying the camera you're you know investing your time we want to pay you for that investment and that's something i really love about that restaurant group they value people in their their jobs and there's you know whatever they bring to the table which is really really cool i feel like maybe i don't say most restaurant groups don't but in my opinion they do a really great job of that yeah and to take it a step further like handling the marketing like you do and I th- you, you handle the public relations as yep. well so you send out press releases yep. as needed um i've never once seen you guys do any type of press release, I get press releases fairly often that say, Hey, we're going to have this event. And all that we ask you as an influencer is to use your Instagram account to post three photos. And, yeah. and, and that's not something that I, I like to see because you're getting free publicity from people that, um, and we kind of view it in the way that like, I, I understand that influencer culture is a, a thing right now, but we want to, say like reward the people that come to our restaurants and and you know post pictures on their personal instagram like that's what i like to repost personally because those people came they had a good time they want to share it with their friends and family that means more to us than me reaching out to somebody with 50 million followers i mean like hey you want to come in and take some pictures i'll give you some free tacos like again it's just kind of all cycles back to just community and taking care of your people as as a pr person do you encourage specific hashtags um no we have a couple that we use for each restaurant but we don't really push them no. You know, it kind of just happens naturally. Okay. I think when we when we first started Imperial, we you know Imperial on Woodward, Imperial Ferndale, pretty basic. But I mean, we have like you know, drink up Imperial, a couple other ones that I'll use like here and there. But I guess anti hero, you get to be more fun and like Centauri Sundays and like all these different things. It depends on the restaurant and like what's going on and and so like today Taco Tuesday, I didn't right. make that one up. It just happened naturally, and we just get to <laughs> lump in with all these millions of photos every Tuesday, which is cool. Yeah. Why wasn't Taco Tuesday not Taco Thursday? It's a great question. You know, Taco Tuesday just flows better. It does flow. It flows fantastic. Yeah. But I'm just wondering, like, because growing up, I aged myself again, <laughs> Wednesdays were print spaghetti days. <laughs> I mean, that was a great marketing campaign for, mm-hmm. you know, obviously a really shitty uh, <laughs> pasta sauce. But <laughs> Wednesdays was print, you know, and they had the commercials with the, you know, yep. the, you know, the grandma in the window. Like, oh, come on 
<laughs> Prince spaghetti. Yeah, as if grandma's cooking Prince pasta sauce. Right. <laughs> but so I always grew up thinking, oh, Wednesdays is pasta day. Yep. Tuesday taco. Well, yep. I don't know how like what's Thursday? Why can't Thursday be tacos? Thursdays It could be. I mean could ta- be. I think it's like uh, thirsty my, my favorite, Thursday is the one that everyone goes as because you're getting ready for the weekend. Thursday, well, yeah, because THTH. All right, mm-hmm. I, can, I can dig it. Meatless Monday—that yeah. makes sense. Or Margarita uh, Monday, if you mar- will. Ooh, okay. I, I'm, I'm a hashtag tacos every day guy. <laughs> that's that's my thing. And so uh, I have I met a guy at Pigstock up in Traverse City uh, a few years ago named Eric, and he uh, he was like, "Oh, that's my real name." He's like, "Fuck a uh, fuck Taco Tuesday. We're doing tacos every day." <laughs> so I started using that hashtag when after I met him. So what's, what's Sunday and Saturday? I don't know. It's just too. It's just too much. Sangria Saturday. Sangria. Salt. <laughs> seafood Sunday. Uh, salt. I know Sunday fun. Are we, are we trying to start something right now? Yeah. I know. Hashtag. Are we starting a, a week full of hashtags? Are we starting this right now. Uh, we could. <laughs> okay, so you're the voice of three very distinctly different restaurants. Yeah. Um, do you change the voice at all, or do you just you just do whatever? one day? She sounds know. like Kermit the Frog. <laughs> I know. This is. Uh... Oh, I wish I could sound like that. Oh. Someday we'll um, find it. The rainbow wow. connection. It's so good. The lovers, the dreamers, and me. Wow. Da, da, I didn't, that's a talent. Da, da, da. Yeah, that's I impressive. Know, that, yeah. Come down to public house. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess I, a little bit, yeah. You have to kind of different voice for each restaurant because they're so different from one another in terms of like the style, the food. Even the clientele varies. And they're all, you know, less than a quarter mile from each other. They both but. got the – well – Public house, I to be uh, so a little bit like punk rock. Well, they have the hidden paintings. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But the one at public house isn't hidden. It's just out for everyone to see. That's true. Well, yeah, yeah, because it's not. There's nobody flipping anybody off. True. Yeah. (laughs) But doesn't it say? Does it say fuck Mick Jagger? And that says uh, who? Who the fuck is Mick Jagger? Yeah. But I guess kids that are young can't read. Right. (laughs) And we we don't. Well, I guess we we do get a lot of kids because you close. It's closed at Imperial like like during the day during the day because the families right. Yep. Yep. Yeah, we got a couple complaints about it. So we put some I shutters remember, up. I remember that 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 whole issue with because there weren't shutters before, right? Correct. That was so, yeah, yeah. I remember yeah, was, that. And then, and was that uh, Guadalupe on that? Yep. Yeah, Virgin of Guadalupe, which also kind of you know, ruffled some feathers. <laughs> we ruffle feathers. How does that ruffle feathers? It's, I mean, this is a Mexican style freaking place, right? I when I went to Mexico, appropriation is a very touchy subject. I went to Mexico yes. as a little kid. We went, uh, you know, to all the churches and mm-hmm. stuff. I mean, it was just but you grew up. You know, Jeff, Jeff has been very. I've, I've met with Jeff on a couple occasions, and he's very clear about it not being a Mexican style. It's California, yeah, style, Southern right? California street food. So, uh, Jeff lived in Cal- Southern California for many years when he was younger. Perry and Sharon also lived there. So, a lot of the influence, for especially Imperial, is all Southern California. That we get lumped in, you know, with Mexican restaurant tacos, well, all that stuff. But it's yeah. they're Southern California so, style tacos, not like well. If you go to TJ, you'll see the same kind, but different parts of Mexico, different parts of California even have different style tacos. Yeah. I mean, tacos are very. You can't really mess up a taco. Is a taco a sandwich? Yeah. It's a brilliant food. Is it a sandwich? No, taco isn't a sandwich. No. I'm just curious. (laughs) Is a quesadilla sandwich? No. I don't. I I mean, what's happening right now? I'm just, I'm just, I don't know. Something thinking about. Debate debate club. Is a hot dog a sandwich? So in terms of marketing, um, I, I know uh, you guys have specials at Imperial, specials at Public House, specials at Any Hero yet? or No, yet? we okay. occasionally if, if Chef gets some cool product in, he'll run specials, but we don't have like a routine like we do at Imperial. As you market that, how, how far in advance do you know, do you know the specials? Oh, some days an hour before, some days 20 minutes, sometimes it's two months. It just, it all depends. This is part of my job. You have to be flexible. You have to be really organized as well. Like my calendar is kind of obnoxious. Like there are different days, different colors, everything that's happening for each restaurant. Um, but yeah, some days I know ahead of time. Sometimes I don't. It's just roll with the punches. And, and you know, if I'm out of town or whatever, the staff's really great. The managers send me pictures and everyone likes to help with my job, I think, until I ask them to. Then they're like, no. <laughs> is there is there uh push by the staff for the specials once they're out there? Um, Yeah. they. I think our staff does a good job of communicating specials and talking about them. I mean, they get really excited, especially at Imperial, like the vegan uh, taco specials. I feel like outsell some of the meat ones because the staff is mostly vegan and they love them. So they're like, oh, you have to try it. You have to try it. And then worried about people will try them. Is that something that's offered every... 
Well, we have a couple vegan options. There's a seitan taco and a soy riso, uh, soy chorizo taco on the menu all the time. But Chef Kelsey will switch it up and do like, you know, sweet potatoes or different options like that that are also vegan. It, it varies, I think, back and forth. We do like meat taco one week, then vegan vegetarian the next week and back and forth. Back. Is there any input that you have on the menu or as, as a marketing person? Like, do you ever say like, I think. This this is really hot right now. Yeah, you know, like cauliflower, for example, right? And they hate when I do it because I'm like, this is this be really on brand. They're like, quit using your marketing terms, and I'm like, I'm sorry. Um, but yeah, I, I do kind of I give them ideas. Um, they're really good about just being creative on their own, so I don't have to do that too much. But you know, if I get really excited about something, I'm like, hey, chef, like check this out. We should do this. Like we just started paletas at Imperial uh, a couple of months ago, I guess. And what is that? Uh, a Mexican ice pop. Okay. And we do boozy and non-boozy ones. And I saw a recipe for like a fro- or a rose lemonade with hibiscus and tequila. I'm like, oh my gosh, this would be amazing. <laughs> and I want this, so we need to make this. Yeah. It's mostly something I want to eat this. So like, right. chef, can you do it? Yeah, yeah. And they're did, really cooperative. And like, Did they do it? Uh, not yet, but not yet. I think it's on the list. We're switching them up soon. Okay. Yeah. Well, but th- right of- now they've got like sangria. They've got a tequila, a margarita popsicle. Um, the non-boozy ones, they have a honey avocado that's amazing oh wow yeah like it's just really really good that sounds healthy yeah there you go <laughs> healthy snack I, um, I went to costco and got those uh popsicle those martini vodka martini pops i haven't tried those? them yet i almost bought those i'm trying because every time i went to costco when i first saw it come out they were sold out yeah. like somebody would come and buy the entire palette like 20 wow. bucks each right there's this it's a huge can, like canister uh so then i i walked in one time and they were like right in the front Okay, so you got like, I don't know, whatever. You got the TVs. Yes. And then it was right there. And I was like, just buy up a few of them. And, know, Are these like the ice pops used to have when yes. I was a kid, but there's booze in them? Yes. yes. So like those ice pops and truly are a, are a white claw, like that's like heaven. I, I mean, right? yeah. Like, And we used to give shit about people drinking Zima and <laughs> Bartles and James. Oh, you, you could mix the white claw with the ice pop Oh, yeah, shit, you could. Couldn't you? Oh, is that like a like a uh, I don't know? Oh, would we get those millennial snow- cocktail or something? We could do a snow cone, millennial snow cone. I have nothing oh. against millennials, by the way. I'm a millennial, but you yeah. are a millennial. <laughs> as am I. Sorry, <laughs> um, but I don't know what else to call. For it. For those listening to Generation X podcast, here, <laughs> Vato's here with you. This is confuses the rest of you. What happened? Um, yeah. So okay, so Paletas. Um, yeah. How. The, there is there's a core menu mm-hmm. at Imperial. There's a core menu. There's a core menu at all three places. Yes. Um, the specials change. How often does the core menu change? Uh, Imperial's menu hasn't really changed a okay. whole lot in the seven years we've been open. We recently added tamales. That was maybe a oh gosh, my time reference is terrible. Maybe a year ago. Okay. Um, Paletas are new as of a couple months ago. Um, we switched the hot dogs around a little bit, but for the most part, that menu has stayed the same. And you have a late night menu too, right? We do. Okay. Yeah. So so where did the late night menu was that a marketing thing or was that a chef thing or both or all of it. All yeah, of it. I think we're all just like, we need late night food. And we we, you know, we did when we first opened thought about just extending the regular menu. We're like, no, we right, need like because you, you cut it you used to cut it off, right? Yeah. Yeah. Except for did you cut it off except for carry out? Or you know, you had no carry out. No carry out. That's you still have no carry out? We do carry out um if you Place the order in person because tacos don't travel like super no. well. So you have to do it quick. So if you come in and place the order, we'll do a carry out. But okay. we don't do any carry out over the phone at Imperial. At Public House and Anti Hero, we do carry out all the time. Yeah. Okay. So uh, jump to the Public House real quick. Like, yeah. You, I think you guys were the one of the only, and, and correct me again if I'm wrong, only ones to do boozy milkshakes. Yeah. I think at first, right? yeah. I think Mercury Burger Bar and us were like the first ones in the area to do them. And Did I'm you not open sure. at the same time? I don't know. Okay. I'm not sure. I How long has Public House been open? Uh, September will be six years. You, you, she just said she doesn't do well with time. <laughs> when did you open? <laughs> you know, and I the, the 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 only time for me that I heard about boozy milkshakes before that was in the movie Pulp Fiction mm-hmm. when yeah. he was like, "Oh, you don't put no bourbon in this or nothing in a five dollar milkshake." Yep. yep. And then you know, the first time I met Public House, I'm like, "What, what is this?" Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's it's fun. I think you know we've we've switched those recipes a few times, but Public House's menu recently changed drastically. Uh, we went from sliders to full-size sandwiches. And the drinks, though, have kind of have always been the same tried and true. Like our spins on classic cocktails are things that we really love. And booze forward, some – at the time, it was like obscure ingredients. You know, I remember when Public House first opened, we had a IPA cocktail that had like Chinar, IPA, Amaro, something else. 
and nobody I was like, oh my gosh, this is so bitter. This is so bitter. I can't drink it. And nowadays, like you put that in the menu, it's gonna sell like wildfire. So I feel like maybe that drink was we were a little bit ahead of the curve. But um And you had and you also had uh, going back to food, you also had tots in the beginning, right? right? No, no tots. We had chips. Chips. Chips, yeah. We don't have chips anymore, we have french fries now. We switched. Sometimes but you I had but yeah, they were housemate chips, right? Yeah. 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 Oh, I, and when we first opened Oh yeah. Water, sorry, uh, melon, basil, wild basin. This is from Oscar Blues. Wow. So this is this is craft seltzer. Yeah. You actually finished that pure. I did. He liked it. Uh, <laughs> what's the uh, what's the alcohol on this one? Uh, five. Wow. I wonder if there's going to be like a push towards like a high alcohol seltzer, fifteen <laughs> percent seltzer. Oh, high what would that? What would that? T- it would taste just like rubbing alcohol. I'm sure. Oh, this is much better. Yeah, this is fantastic. I think you definitely but need a you flavor need to with take, them. You need to try the white claw with the flavor, though. So you're you're that's apples and like bananas. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, I understand that point, but also, um, this is also craft. This yeah. is oh. Oscar Blues. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's artisanal. He oh. did the hair artisanal flip. When he said craft. He, yeah, he had his, his pinkies up right now. <laughs> um, and we got a picture. Yeah, of that's it. I'm excited to try those. I think they'll probably be coming here soon. I think Oscar Blue still sells beer in Michigan, though I haven't seen much lately. Um, it's got to be around. Yeah. I, I'm, Is that flavor I'm good? It's re- really good. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like I'm like broadening my horizons tonight. This mezcal is delicious. Yeah. That's fantastic. Like mezcal, this, yeah. That's absolutely my favorite. I hate the wax, though. I mean, it's still wax <laughs> in the freaking bottle. But the wine, it, it, I didn't even need to take the wax off. The wine key would have done it instantly. Yeah. Live and learn. Well, <laughs> I don't buy. It. <laughs> um, okay, so Annie Hero's the youngest. Yep, they're not. Haven't been about a year yet, right? No, we opened uh, end of November, I think. Okay, and what's the months. what's the uh, response? The community response to Annie Hero's bar? It's been good. Um, people, again, I feel like we're always trying to introduce something kind of new. Though a lot of people here are familiar, with, like the Izakaya concept. There's not very many Izakayas in Metro Detroit. Um, Katsu opened like you know a little bit after we did, and unfortunately they're closing they're soon. Already, yeah. yeah. So what, what what explain it is a guy? So it's a lot of like small plates that are shared in Japanese food. Oops. Back the mic over. Um, yeah, there's only there's Hanzo, yeah. and Sanpei, right? I think that might Izakaya be the only Sanpei? two. I think yeah. that's the only two. There, I'm and I'm not. I'm, there might be one in Ann Arbor that I don't, that yeah. I'm, I'm missing. But those are the two Hanzos and Coppers. Mm-hmm. Sanpei can't. Canton or yeah. somewhere around there, yeah. Um, those are your two other reference points. Um, and then, as you said, Katsu's already. Yeah. Closed. They were in Woodbridge, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so well, yeah. they just closed, right? Yeah. 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 Antihero opened like last November. Uh, the response has been good. You know, we've changed the menu quite a bit. We started with a, a very large menu. Um, Chef Irvin was determined to, you know, do this amazing menu and it went over really well. And we just kind of have scaled back to fit the same you know, concept and brand identity, the Imperial and public house will have like a small menu that's affordable and approachable and not as maybe crazy as we wanted to get, though we slowly will introduce things back yeah. to that. For, for Antihero, you guys, and I, my third time I say, correct me if I'm wrong, but you guys have reservations on. We do on Resi. Re, on Resi, but yep. you don't have it for. The, the other, other restaurants. Yeah, no. Is that a marketing choice? Um, no, it wasn't a marketing choice. I think because uh, Antihero has so many large booths, it was kind of, you know, it was difficult to really pace it out for service. Okay. So we opened up the reservations because you have, you know, 50 people waiting and two booths available. It kind of made it easier to plan for us, like how many people we we're going to see every week and make the experience for them faster. Because if you're, you know, if you have a group of 12 people, you don't want to wait. You want to get in and out, especially if there's a birthday or celebration. And we see a ton of that stuff, too. So having the reservations open kind of helped people come more often. I think it definitely, and I think a lot of people too, they get nervous, like, Oh, it's a brand new restaurant. They've so, they're so busy. It's like, make a reservation, you know? And that's, I think something we will do in the future too. I love love it too. I hate going. I mean, I love the fact that there's Riso, there's Resi, there's Mm -hmm. open table, there's talk, uh, there's, you know, uh, the, the, the weight one. I mean, I love the fact that there's all these options for me as a consumer. Um, yeah, because I'll, I, I just, especially, you know, uh, I have a kid, right? So I you can't, just show, I can't yeah. just show up somewhere and be like, hey, what's, you know, oh, well, yeah, we can seat you in, you know, 40 minutes. And like, 
I got a four-year-old here. Yeah, I was hungry and angry. Right. <laughs> this isn't going to go well. <laughs> right. And so I like that. I like that fact. Did you guys have that from the get-go? Um, no, we actually introduced Resi and reservations into Antihero, I think, two-ish months in. Okay. Yeah. It's just, and it's our first time ever really even doing reservations at any of the restaurants. We didn't, didn't have any experience doing that before. A little bit of a learning curve for us, too, but I think they, they did it very gracefully. Do you think that'll work, it'll work out in some fashion, like maybe for the other restaurants that you'll hold a certain amount of seats and have reservations for those? I don't think so, just because they've been doing what they've been doing for so long. Um, but possibly. I mean, nothing's impossible with this restaurant group. Because I would think with the... Well, with Imperial, you have some of those booths, mm-hmm. right? Not the communal, obviously. Yeah. And then obviously with public house, you have specific booths. Yep. And then you got the kind of more the bench seating and communal in, yeah. in the back. And Imperial is it's a little bit easier to manage in that way because the booths are only available for parties of a certain size after a certain time. So mm-hmm. if you go in for lunch and you're sitting with four people, it's fine. But after, you know, like peak business five o'clock on a Thursday, it's parties of six or more. So that and we put little placards up to like let people know because we again ran into that issue where they're like, um, I was sitting here like you're a two top. Can we please move you? There's 20 people waiting. Right. So it's just like a, you know always a delicate balance Joe. to get people. I know. <laughs> sitting there by myself. I know. Well, he's he's like, like, I need all this room. <laughs> he's like, I just want to. I want a thing for my back. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only thing I hate about like bench seating is like I, a back. I need yeah. the thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just want to, you're high maintenance man. Whatever. <laughs> Um, the, uh, so the idea of alert, you said mentioned learning curve, right? With, mm-hmm. with the reservations, I imagine there's a learning curve for you learning about the menus. Absolutely. So was it easy, difficult for, with any hero? Cause it's a t- completely different concept. Like completely. Yeah. Um, it was, it was both, you know, it's, it's some things were easy. Some were difficult. The owners made it easy for me because they have been to Japan many times. And so they had sent me like, you know, photos and like things to read and different things to like kind of study up on before. They didn't I, send you to Japan? No. <laughs> Maybe next time. Come on, guys. Harry, Sharon, Jeff, if you're listening to this, I would love to go to Japan. No, if they're listening to this. <laughs> they're going to listen. <laughs> um, no, I haven't been to Japan. They did take me to California though, right before a public house opened and we did the whole like, you know, we went to like 25 restaurants a day. I was like ate so much food. It was incredible. But I was also like, oh, my gosh, this is insane. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they made it easy in the way like they gave me all of the the resources and tools I needed to understand the vision behind the concept and the idea and like the voice that they wanted it to be. And then I kind of had the opportunity then to put my spin on it and, you know, add some hip hop lyrics or get kind of punk with it, whatever that media changes all the time. Um, but yeah, it was, it was fun. It was cool. They, they helped a lot. And you know, there's still things like, I mean, I don't know what this word is. Like, what's this ingredient? And chef's like, Oh, this is this. I'm like, okay. It's salt. So you, so you yeah. ask questions. I do. Yeah. I ask, okay. I ask a ton of, they probably get so sick of me. I ask so many It's important questions. to ask questions though, especially when you're trying, you were trying to be the voice of a brand. Yeah. 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 Um, and not just Google it, you know? Right. Yeah. Although I Google things i don't understand when i go to a restaurant because i just feel <laughs> well, like stupid i'm like well he's one of the hunger dudes he doesn't know what fucking salt is like, All right, well. it happens to me i'm like what i don't know what this word means well and i feel like they're always you know there's some new brand or some new ingredient all the time like they're reinventing salt to be called something else right. but a little bit different so it's hard to keep track of all that stuff too and keep up with it fleur the sea yeah fleur you know or whatever yeah sea salt stuff. right yeah. no, i get it he's like yeah duh. <laughs> Okay, so let's talk about uh, one of the fascinating things uh, to me about Annie Hero was the the bathroom. Oh yeah, oh, um, I love the bathrooms. So l- let's talk about that because there, there was a lot of thought and like effort yeah. that went into that. So and, and you know again, the owners have spent a decent amount of time in Japan and they loved like the Harajuku district and like the bright colors and the vibrancy, like Robot Cafe, like all those things. They really really loved that, but it didn't so much like you know you don't want to walk into a restaurant that's all that because it's kind of obnoxious and like might give you a headache. Um, so they talked about just doing it in the bathroom. So when that happened, Sharon and I kind of got together. I'm like, oh my gosh, I, I think I know like this person who, like, my friend Katie, who does tattoos that kind of are like very anime and cartoony and like she would be great at this. And then, um, you know, after doing the skateboard and skull auctions at Imperial for so long, we kind of had like a little roster of artists. I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, also be great with this would be Shayna. And we kind of, Sharon and I were like, oh, brilliant. Like the light bulb clicked. We're like, oh my gosh. So we got a hold of the girls and they were so excited to work together. And we kind of gave them a little bit of direction as far as like colors and the whole flow of the bathroom. But they came up with those murals completely on their own and just completely fucking nailed it. Like those bathrooms are so cool. <laughs> yeah, I, I think and it's it's almost 
overwhelming at first because you want to like hang out and like see everything because right. there's pikachu on a skateboard on the back of the door then there's like a weird you know like uh, ice cream sandwich thing in this corner and a box of pocky over here like it's all over the place yeah it, it's really it's very incredible yeah. a lot of detail went into that one so i, I want to go back to something you just mentioned with the uh the skulls and the skateboards yeah. and it's kind of because you're also the event yes coordinator because you don't do enough already you're right um, i wear many hats <laughs> so let, let's talk about first of all the kind of philanthropic arm that you guys have that's one of the reasons why I love my job so much. Like if it if it were up to me, I would do just charity events. But unfortunately, like we don't have, <laughs> we're not there yet. Yeah. Um. But it was it was Perry, Sharon, Jeff, Susie, like their vision to to do these events that gave back to the community and also got the community involved. And it always was about art, education, kids, and community. Essentially, like those four four things. So, um, you know, they we did the first skull auction or. Were skulls first or skateboards? Gosh, I can't remember. I think skulls, skulls were, yeah, skulls were first. And the first round of skulls, like, you know, they were a brand new restaurant and they reached out to friends like Niagara did a skull and Glenn Barr did a skull. Like all these amazing Detroit artists and we're like, holy shit, this is really, really cool. And people loved it. So we're like, oh, we have to do this every year. So it kind of like tied into the, obviously, Dia de los Muertos, Day of the Dead, like that, the skulls fit that theme. So when Cinco de Mayo rolled around, we're like, hey, what about like skateboards, like something different? Talk about like surfboards, all sorts of different like mediums for them to use. And skateboards just seem like the easiest. And also people like love to display skateboards in their house with cool art on them. So yeah, the, that started about seven years ago. We've just been doing it ever since. And I love that part too. It's really cool because we just get blank decks and hand them out to artists. And you know, I kind of coordinate with them. I'm like, hey, you have free reign. Do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Um, we've had some things come back with inappropriate images and stuff before and you know, it's, it's their art it's like we don't get to censor that like it's not our job it's not our place so we let them do whatever they want and we get some really really cool stuff back every time it's a, it's, it's completely surprising with the anti-tattoo policy that they have at these establishments <laughs> <laughs> right you know it's right, really right. funny i will speak on that too because when i first started working in was like oh you have to have tattoos to work here i'm like no it just happens like we're just a bunch of misfits who all got this job uh, but you don't have to have tattoos to work for a restaurant group <laughs> that, that'd be a funny thing to see on the application how many tattoos do you have yeah. zero well, i mean you walk in a lot of you know, you walk into some <laughs> restaurants and everyone's kind of you know they have that Kind of look. Everyone's dressed the same with like the denim shirt mm-hmm. or you know you know the the apron on. Which yeah. you know I I dig, I, I dig uniformity. I dig you know branding. You mm-hmm. know your stuff. And, and you guys kind of had a natural, uh, organic kind of brand of like yeah. this is. It's, uh, we wanted everyone to just be themselves. Like show right. your personality. If you have purple hair, cool. If your hair is sha- if your head shaved, like we don't care. Just but, show up and you know take care of the customer. That's our main priority. But you said this in the beginning too, is that you know you had somebody walking in the front and there's like the mom in the back with the stroller. I mean that's that just shows you know how open and and, and uh, inviting the, yeah. the entire place is that. Uh, growing up with the four-year-old, it's like, where can I take my kid? I can take my kid somewhere that that other people who don't have kids aren't going to give a shit that my kid's there. You know, and he's not running around or anything, but it's still that inviting place. Yeah. you know, and and I, I think the whole staff kind of pushes that out. Yeah, yeah, in, in I, both places. Well, yeah. I haven't been. I, I admittedly, I haven't been to Hero yet, but <gasps> we'll have to change that soon. But in both places, I've been to both places many, many, many times, and uh, it's very inviting. Thanks. I think. Yeah. Yeah, very kid friendly too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, the so the auction that occurs uh, with the skulls and the, the skateboards. Um, do you guys choose a different charity every year? Is it the same we charity, do, yeah. different charity. And I I get to kind of spearhead that, which I absolutely love. Um, we've donated to the Flint Children's Health and Development Fund, um, Detroit Dog Rescue, like uh, Bees in the D, like all oh, kinds yeah. of different. Like we, it just changes every year. Um, I'm trying to think of we. This last run of skateboards, we uh, donated to Community Push because they recently lost their their property or are losing their skate park and they're looking to build a new one. So that was really cool. And it kind of will just vary on like what's happening. So I think, you know, this next round of skulls we're going to do for Dia de los Huertos, it will be something with, you know, what's happening at the borders and giving money to, I think it's Racines or whatever that, that charity is done in Texas. Uh-huh. I think that's going to be the one that we do. So, yeah, it's just, you know, it, it depends on what's happening around us in our city, but also globally, nationally, like where, where we can help because we want to help people. And so how does uh, your yearly event, the Ula La Lucha, how does that fit into all of this? Um, it That was kind of a, <laughs> a, a crazy brainchild of like, what can we do that's weird and no one else does? Um, though I know there, you know there's burlesque shows and there's wrestling events in Detroit 
it was just kind of like a dream to, to combine the two. And it kind of made sense with our brands. And I know the first one we did in the space that is now anti-hero that's next to public house. And it was, it was small. I think it was like 450 people attended and we sold it out. We're like, Oh, people want to see this kind of stuff. Like people are actually into wrestling. Awesome. People are into burlesque. This is so cool. So then we just kind of. I mean, I can speak for the people that are into wrestling. Yeah. You're like, that's me. I'm that guy. I think you know everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Like in a social uh, network analysis, you are in the center. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, The wrestling world. Um, but yeah. And and I didn't know much of wrestling at the time when we first started doing that event. I had, I had girlfriends who did burlesque and things like that. So again, learning curve. I was like, Oh wait, what wrestling? I have to like watch videos of these guys and like see who's good. And then like call some people. And yeah. Um, but yeah, it just kind of, you know, it, we, we did it the first year. It was successful. And we're just like, Hey, let's keep doing it. And let's every year add a different element and make it a little bit weirder, a little, you know, more spicy, whatever we could do this last year. I love cause Krillin is just so cool. Like that, I think brought it like a really different spin on it. And then the burlesque this year was just awesome. Roxy killed it. The wrestlers are cool. Like, all over the place. We have wrestlers coming in from Japan, from Mexico, from Canada, from Chicago, from LA. And it's, it's a lot of coordinating, but it's, it's fun. I love it. Do you do the coordinating? Oh yeah. Okay. That's so my, that event is my baby. I, really? I, I spent like four to six months working on that one. <laughs> well, because I, I mean, even from my perspective as the wrestling fan, like you had Ultimo Dragon this last event yeah. and you had Sam Adonis. Mm-hmm. Um, so Sam is from Mex, Sam, well, he's from Pittsburgh, yeah. but he, he wrestles, he wrestles in, in Mexico, Mexico. Yeah. and Ultimo Dragon's like, all what, over, yeah. like, but he's Japanese. Mm-hmm. So how this do you? This is the first coordinate? WWE star we've had too. So that was really cool. Oh really? Mm-hmm. Okay. So how do you coordinate that? Like how do you? Um, Josh Movado, who runs oh, a yeah. wrestling school and stuff down here, uh, the Mysterious Movado, yep. he helps. He's the kind of like my liaison for wrestlers because I don't know a lot of these guys that are up and coming, mm-hmm. and he essentially says, "Hey, here's some options. Um, here's some wrestlers. Like, who do you want to see? What do you want like the the matches to kind of be about? And we kind of like the storylines and stuff together, mm-hmm. and we kind of. You know, there's a group sesh. We'll drink a bunch of margaritas, have some tacos, and just let it fly and We're see what have happens. A, have a tag team? You and I? Yeah. The Hungry Dudes. <laughs> the hungry dudes. <laughs> oh, that could be fun. We could arrange that. The Hungry Dudes. Against. I would love that. That would be like a dream. <laughs> against who? <laughs> yeah, who do you guys want to take on? Here we go on. Let's do it. <laughs> we need to censor it. this part of the podcast. No, <laughs> we were um, masked. But, I, but I'm fascinated by these, by these large-scale events, not just because of the wrestling connection, but also because of the amount of planning that goes into it. You said four to six months. Mm-hmm. There has to be some type of – you have some budget that you're working within. Yeah. And some idea of like – is a successful, is it the successfulness of it gauged on ticket sales? Is it gauged on, did you make money? Is it, what's it gauged on? I guess for us, it's never really about making money. That's the bonus. The Perry's always been really, really, um, or pushed me to be like, it doesn't matter. That's not, that's not what we're here for. We're here to throw a cool party that people want to go to, people enjoy. I think, you know, his experience in the music industry for so long, he was like a VP at Live Nation. He used to, you know, be a part owner in St. Andrews and Smalls and stuff. And he, he just wants to throw a cool party for people. And so I kind of was like, what do you mean there's no budget? And he's like, no, 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 you have a budget. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> so I work off a spreadsheet, kind of, you know, work backwards. And it's a combination of ticket sales and, um, you know, like sponsorship, all that stuff. And we, you know, I will say this. My favorite has been the ones we've done at St. Andrews just because their staff is so helpful. It's just such a great crew. They go above and beyond to help us like set that event up there and they help promote it and everything. So that's really fun. But yeah, and every year it changes this next year. I've got some ideas up my sleeve. We'll see what we can pull off. So I start emailing people like now to be like, hey, are you available next May? <laughs> They're like, wait, what? Because <laughs> I like to have everything kind of an idea of what's going to happen anyways. Well, you have to do that for events. You have to plan out so For far. sure. Right. And especially when you're flying people in from all over the country, right. all over the world, it's like, okay, we have to coordinate where you're going to stay and, you know, how long your act's going to be. Are you doing one? Or are you doing two? Or, you know, how many matches? And if you're a wrestler, like, are you, are you doing other wrestling events while you're here? All that kind of well, stuff. Well, especially for next year, too. Like, I, and I, I don't think a lot of Detroiters get this, but you can't plan something in the summer for next year without planning around auto show. Right. You know, because oh, now right. auto show, mm-hmm. like all my life growing up, auto show has always been in the cold of winter. Yeah, in January, right? Yeah. yeah. Now it's like the hottest summer and like every hotel is going to be booked and mm-hmm. they're going to have, it's going to be so expensive. When is that happening? Uh, I, I don't know. I have to is Google. it next it's, year? Oh, yeah, it's next, next year. year. It's, it's, it's either June, I think. June. I, I want to say it's June. I think I'm fairly certain it's June. Yeah, yeah. but it's, uh, it's not just the auto show. There is stuff going on outside. Throughout the city. Right, because now they're going to use everything that they can in the footprint outside the auto show with like 
I don't know, not carnivals, but you know what I mean. It's yeah. going to be like all kinds of stages and all kinds of stuff like that. So that's really cool. If you wanted to book something around there, then, yeah. you know, you can't do it downtown. Noted. You know, but <laughs> thank I'm you. glad ours happens so, early so in May. <laughs> our next sponsor is Advice for Free from Boston. <laughs> um, it's not really a sponsor if it's free. No, oh, no, we're sponsors. I, I give free advice. Oh, you, but it, who's going to wait? What? What? <laughs> um, so uh, I work for Mesco. Okay. So, so, <laughs> um, one thing I, li- I, I like to bring up w- with our guests is this idea of work-life balance and the kind of stress that a job brings on. Um, you, you're managing the social media, the marketing for three restaurants. You're planning events. Planning events. You're um, overseeing the beer programs, helping design menus. I'm like my, Whoa, my we website. You oversee that. the beer program too? Yes, I oh, do. Okay. So that's a I'm, I'm like the resident beer nerd at our restaurant group because <laughs> no one else cares about beer. They'll all drink like Miller High Life, which I respect. I love yeah. a Miller High Life. Don't get me wrong. But I'm, for a while there, I was really, really into craft beer. Now you just drink White Claw. Yeah. So honestly, <laughs> and yeah. Salt, and and hard seltzer. Um, yeah. So, okay. So what is. On a weekly basis, how many hours are you putting in? Um, 40, 50. Sometimes, like, okay. next week is Mopop. So I'm putting in, like, 60, 70. I'm working every day next week just to get ready oh, for you Mopop. At Mopop. All three restaurants are at Mopop this year. All oh. three? All three. So and I get it? to design the space. I get to help with staffing. So explain um, what Mopop is real quick. Mopop is a music festival in Detroit that's on the riverfront. West, every year. R- West Riverfront. West Riverfront, yeah. yeah. Okay. And this year is really exciting. Lizzo, Tame Impala, Vampire Weekend, so a ton of huge names. Uh-huh. And last year was the first year we had a space that wasn't in like the shipyard area where all the other food vendors are. And we had our own like tent, um, close in between like main stage and the other stage. And it was, it was awesome. We killed it. Uh, staff was so happy. Um, and so this year we're being quite ambitious and we have double the footprint in all three restaurants involved. Wow. Yeah. So I'm going to break off for a second. So obviously you've done events uh, that weren't 100% like food related or, yeah. you know, what was the learning curve to do a event where the event's going on, but you have a sole food responsibility or whatever, right? Like, like have yeah. you done events before that you ha- brought some, some stuff into? or did Maybe you- like some catering, but nothing of that scale. So, um, so what... What, uh, I get well when the food truck launched, yeah. that kind of like started this whole idea of like us doing events outside of the restaurant. Okay. Cause before we, you know, we drop off food or do things, little things here and there. Um, but we didn't have the, the space. Imperial's kitchen, honestly, is no bigger than this room. It is the smallest kitchen I have ever been in. It's like a shoebox. So we didn't have room anywhere to make extra tacos or guacamole and all the stuff we needed. So we ended up, you know, we got this food truck. And it was right at the time, like, Antihero kind of shares a space as, like, a commissary in the back there. Their, their kitchen's huge. So we now have the space to do these types of events that we want to do. But it was, it was a learning, learning curve for all of us. You yeah. know, how much product do we need? How much staff do we need? Um, you know, know refrigeration, health, yeah, health, health department. Yeah, yeah. All, there's so much to it. And it's and that part's not just me. We have a team that does, like, mostly the food truck catering stuff. Um, Maria's a total badass. And she, like, books everything, plans everything. And then Megan and Margie cook on the truck. And those two girls are saints. Like, I don't know how they do it. Especially like, this last weekend. It was 100 degrees. And they're out, like, going to four events in three days. I'm like, aren't you fucking tired? <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, but they had the week before that. They had it off. But there was no events. So, uh, yeah, work-life balance kind of all ties into that. But it was it was a learning curve to figure out what we needed, how we, how to staff, um, how to not run out of product. <laughs> you know, and we did faster horses. We've done a lot of like music festivals, I guess. Um, but it was it was tough. I think we've learned. But this year, a, a new challenge. You know, Antihero in Public House. Antihero is going to be serving the Wagyu hot dog and I believe a some bao bun. And then uh, Public House will be serving burgers and fries and Impossible Burger as well. I think that'll do really well. And then Imperial will have tacos, hot dogs, nachos, the whole nine. But yeah, we just you know you don't you never know how much product to have. The lucky the the good thing is we're so close to Ferndale, so if we run out of shit, we can just run back to the restaurants and get what we need. Somebody will make up for prep later. Sorry about it. But <laughs> <laughs> are, are you so as as a food vendor at these events? Are you tied into like ticket sales? Do nope. does Mopop doesn't like? Do they don't tell you anything about nope. ticket sales? No. Nope. So you have um, they, no idea. They, well, they give us projections, like how many people they expect every day based on ticket sales. So they're looking at twenty thousand people a day. But you can kind of guess with a big event like this, like yeah. it's gonna. We're gonna need a lot of food. Uh, twenty thousand a day? Yeah, that's oh, what yeah. I think. That's the I believe the email I got recently said so, that's what they're. Expecting. That's impressive because I think when I went, I didn't go. It's last grown year. every went, year. It's yeah, crazy. It, it wasn't twenty thousand when I went last. The, the last time I went, mm-hmm. um, I'm trying to think who was headlining that event. <sighs> 
shit, I'm not going to remember. Was it Bon Iver? No. Well, last year was Bon Iver. I didn't go. I don't know if I went to last year. It was Bon Iver. I forget. And then the year, I don't know. I'm trying to. I'm trying. Uh, whatever I went. What, whatever. But it did not appear to have 20,000 people. Yeah. And, they, and they've worked hard. You know, I don't, I don't know. I know AEG is doing it now. I don't know if they were around when it first started. Like the Crowfoot guys were just hustling to make that event happen. And I don't know if it was a collab thing. I don't know the, the backwards or the back end deal on that end. But they've grown that event to be a huge thing. And it's awesome to see so many different restaurants and like you know vendors from the city get out there in front of people and i think i I don't have the analytics on this but i would assume that most of the people going to that are from michigan but if they're not it's cool for people out of state to see you know the beautiful riverfront and all these cool you know music acts with all this awesome food and stuff that really represents michigan i think they do a really good job of curating what they want their festival to be and the evolution of these festivals I mean, I remember going to Lollapalooza in the early nineties and it was like, I don't remember ever getting food there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I would just, I'd get beer mm-hmm. and ba- back when it was a traveling show. Yeah. 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 So it was, it was at, uh, Pine uh, Knob back then. It was day. at Pine Knob and then it was at, um, the, uh, racetrack, uh, the Milan, uh, racetrack. Oh, okay. Uh, so I, 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 know I did 90, what did I do? 92, 93. Something like that. I don't ever remember any food kind of variety of food. Of right. I mean, there might have been like hot dogs and popcorn and crap like that. But I love the fact that the, there's been an evolution in these festivals to make them more um, appealing to a wider audience. Well, yeah. And I think Lollapalooza kind of, I don't know if they started it, but once they took root in Chicago, right. they have a lot of local Chicago. Oh, yeah. All of their, most of the restaurants there are like, you know, you'll see lo- like Luminati's and yep. places that are, that pop up in Chicago. Um, Chicago restaurants. Uh, and so like this idea that Mopop is kind of not copying that idea, but doing a Detroit version mm-hmm. of maybe on a smaller scale, yeah. of course, but getting someone like Lizzo, who's so wildly oh popular gosh. right now, she wasn't announced at the beginning of the, I don't think so. I don't, okay. I didn't, I didn't really pay attention to the lineup. I just, they're like, Hey, Mopop with these dates. And I'm like, okay, buckle down, design yeah. the space, figure it out. <laughs> so I wasn't well, so much looking at the artist, but yeah, she's incredible. It's, yeah, it's, it was vampire weekend and Tame Apollo at first. And I thought, you know what? That's okay. Yeah. And then, I looked at the list uh, last week. And I was like, mm-hmm. "Shit, Lizzo's there." Yeah, that's, Lizzo, Kaliuki. Like, a, I I really love um, every genre of music. Yeah. But like some people I've really been listening to, like Kaliuki's, are going to be there, and I'm like, "Oh, this is awesome to get to see them in the space." And also, going to be working, but it'll be fun. Hmm. But oh. this is this is uh, go back to food really quick. It's smart on on the part of the festivals to to transform to this because now it takes the responsibility of feeding your customers off the festival organizers mm-hmm. and says hey you got to deal with the health inspectors you have to deal with you know providing the food figuring this stuff out all we have to do is provide the space yeah yep. you know and you know the liability comes off on them i mean mm-hmm. well not 100 percent, but you know i think that that's a, that's a and good also get, it, once you're there like if you're gonna if they have bars everywhere all these festivals people are drinking you right. can't be there drinking all day because the festival starts at noon and they want you to you know be there the majority of the day so they have tons of options for food and i haven't been to like Lollapalooza. i've been a riot fest and like kind of similar there's hundreds of food options this is a smaller scale there's probably like a you know a couple handfuls but it, i think it's cool and it definitely uh, for the consumer it makes it more enjoyable experience to be at a festival and like I'm going to go grab a taco and I'm going to go get a drink and we're going to sit over here in the grass and enjoy Lizzo or whoever. What are the, what are the lines like? To, uh, I mean, last year ours got to, really long. People but have to wait a long time? To- I wouldn't say a long time. Um, even if the lines are long, they're moving really quick because all the food, like all the vendors are pretty much prepared to, to do quick service. So it doesn't go too far or too, it doesn't last too long, but. You know, it just depends and who wants what. And right. the island noodles line, I feel like it's always super long. At one point, our line got like almost to the stage and I'm like, hurry up. Like we're going fast. I'm like counting ticket times. Like, oh, these tacos are going on three minutes. We're doing okay. There's a lot <laughs> yeah. of people want tacos. <laughs> like Joe out there making pasta to order. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I th- and I think that, uh, the, this idea that people like think they're going to get their food like immediately. Oh, right. Yeah. This isn't Hate that. possible. No. Um, and, and with 20,000 people, I, I mean, Again, going back to when I was there, um, they hopefully have added more food vendors. Yeah, they've added a lot more okay. food vendors. There's there's a lot. There's a whole food truck rally. There's the shipyard that has like different pop up restaurants, and then like I think, I think Working Class Outlaws is the only one that has like their own standalone space. There wasn't a shipyard when I went. No, no, okay. it was just the, the food trucks yeah. and um, 
Yeah, because like last year Voyager was there and like a bunch of other oh, spots. Okay. It was really it was really cool to like there's so many options. You could get whatever you wanted food wise. It's great that they're responding to the to the uh, to chicken need. sales. Yeah. And to yeah. yeah, that's fantastic. Oh, sure. Consumer oriented. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about the social media um and the Facebook. Where can people find Imperial Public House Annie Hero? Yes, I have to, uh Imperial is at Imperial Fern underscore Ferndale on okay. Instagram. Public House, I believe, is the same at Public House underscore Ferndale and Antihero is just at Antihero Ferndale, but same on Facebook, um Imperial Public House and Antihero. And then Working Class Outlaws also has a page that I personally do not update very often. Sorry if you're listening and looking for that page. I'm focusing on the other three uh, most of the time. But yeah, they're all there. And Mopop is when? Uh, next weekend, July 27th and 28th. And I think I saw you post on Facebook today that you're looking for help. Uh, we actually well, we were looking for a couple of bartenders and we got them. You got them. People came out and drove. Not looking so they for help want anymore. A yeah, okay. we're good. We're good. People know better. <laughs> yeah. You go to this right. big, wide, huge, huge event to work a Work an event with you guys. Yeah, should All be right. good though. Should be busy. I'm excited. We got we got a bunch of stuff lined up in the next couple of years. I'm I'm going to be busy. And I'm ready awesome. for it. Awesome. Yeah. Sagan, thanks for being with us. Thank you Best for having me. Thanks for bringing right the white claws. Of course. <laughs> the mezcal. <laughs> Happy to ne- introduce you. <laughs>